clash between the Dragons and the Saints. The reigning champions bidding to make it five in a row. Catalan have beaten Saints twice this year in the regular season. But this is different territory. This is an invitation to the big dance at Old Trafford next weekend. And one of these two will not be going. And which rugby league legend's career will come to an end tonight? Tompkins or Roby? So many subplots to this game in Perpignan where the smoke swirls around stud Gilbert Brutus. has recovered from its uh, recent traumas. You can still see some of the blemishes on it. What a wonderful atmosphere in Perpignan. Chris Kendall is the referee, about to get us underway. Even the most seasoned campaigner, Barry, must have the hair standing up on the back of his neck. This is phenomenal, isn't it? When you think about atmospheres, when you think about a build-up to a match, this is as good as it gets. It's going to be a nail-biter. It's going to be a nerve-shredder. And the opening 10, 15 minutes are vital. Garcia now. McMeekin moving into position. Takiyaho there as well. Remember, Saints down to 12 men. The ball is back with Tompkins again, and again the pressure is good, but Tompkins is running it. Tompkins! Tompkins! Sam Tompkins has taken the Catalan Dragons to Old Trafford, surely. They thought he was going to go for the drop goal. They denied him that, but they couldn't deny him the try that surely settles this game. Kick to come from bang in front of the post. Extraordinary, absolutely extraordinary. Incredible, isn't it? Sam Tompkins with five or six players rushing towards him as they did on the previous occasion. Steps off the right foot, evades Alex Wormsley. Syrenan can't get a glove on him. And look at that. Occasions like this are made for players like Sam Tompkins. He writes his own scripts. He's made since he joined this Catalan club. They are creditable opponents now, wherever they go. You can't throw and accuse players going to Catalan Dragons for a pension, for a, a life in the south of France, living on the beach. That man and his counterparts are going to Old Trafford. Welcome to another episode of Rugby League Therapy. Crazy scenes there in Perpignan. So for anyone that ever said that Rugby League is confined to the eastern states of Australia, um, have a think about the last month or so we've seen um, sell-out crowds in Perpignan, Auckland, Newcastle, all all cities that are um, well and well into the outside of Sydney and Brisbane, etc. Um, so I think it's fitting that we um, preview the upcoming Super League Grand Final in what could be a history-making moment for the game of rugby league. But before we get to that and our other topics for the day, I just want to thank the great people at everythingrugbyleague.com. Um, we specialise in rugby league all around the world, um, including the NRL and the English Super League. Um, uh, obviously coming into their own right now with it being international season. So well, thank you to the boys at Everything Rugby League and anyone listening, I encourage you to check out the website, Facebook page, page etc. They've been uh, making some quality content for a number of years now. Um, so to today's topic, we are going to discuss the upcoming English Super League. We are going to talk about some of the best brothers that have ever played rugby league uh, at the same time. Uh, we're going to preview the upcoming international round, which I'm really excited about. Um, and we will do a rugby league mastermind with uh, myself ahead of Lou, four points to two at this current stage. So, Lou, how was your time in Spain? We missed you last week. It was good. It was good. Um, it kind of contradicts what you were saying before around um, – how big the game is but to be fair there was no talk about rugby union either it was all 
it was all about football. Um, so yeah, we got we've got plenty of work to do to get to the masses. Um, and it starts with us right now, talking about Super League. Um, but yeah, it was a uh, it was a good time, man. And uh, did listen to your your stats and figures um, last week. Pretty good stuff from the NRL, to be fair. Like I'm, I'm quite impressed, especially they've had to deal with let's let's face it, international competition like the women's world cup and um well now the rugby world cup too yeah that's a great segue for anyone listening who wants to go back it's admittedly a little bit of self-indulgence for topics that i'm personally interested in more off-field topics the state of the game etc but um anyone listening that's episode three that lou's referring to so the episode before this episode um, and that's available on Spotify and soon will be on Apple Podcasts as well. So those asking when it's going to get to Apple Podcasts, um, the answer is probably next week. Um, all right. So you missed an absolute cracking game uh, down in, in Perpignan. Uh, so the three-time triple defending champions of the Super League and reigning World Club Challenge champions, St. Helens, went down to Catalan in a record crowd for starter, Gil- sorry, starter Gilbert Brutus, uh, 11,500 there, uh, which doesn't sound like a lot, but um, anyone that heard the intro just now, you know they made a hell of a lot of noise. So the game is going strong in the south of France. A lot more to do, of course, but um, it was a bit of a strange game uh, because Catalan went up in penalty goals, almost like rugby union. Um, St. Helens were the first to score uh, and went, um, I believe 6-0 or 6-2 ahead, and then Catalan kicked a total of three penalty goals. Um, and before you knew it, it was 6-all um, and an absolute thrilling finish with um, Sam Tompkins going over um, in a very similar vein to the way Sean Johnson once went over against Penrith just for, uh, in Golden Point when all the players run at the uh, the uh, opposition who's player who's going to kick the field goal. Um, he sidesteps them and then goes through the broken defensive line and, and ends up scoring a try as opposed to a field goal. Um, but are you, are you going to watch the um, upcoming final between Wigan and Catalan? Have you got any thoughts on that one, Lou? Yeah, so I'm just having a quick breeze of the preview. And I guess the first thing with us Australians trying to follow the English Super League, so Super League Grand Final is on Sky Sports, so it's not on for air which is disappointing for i guess anyone that's wanting the game to be exposed beyond the small amount of fans we've got in the uk but yeah i will be watching uh 6 p.m kickoff which is uh also a very strange time to kick off but i i have watched big games of catalans in the past and and they've they had an absolute um when they won the challenge cup that was amazing to watch and you could you know they do have a hardcore set of fans and they also a few years ago made the super league grand finals this isn't their first first goal at the um at the big dance and they were unfortunately beaten by a much i guess more complete team in the saints but uh, yeah this this game for me uh, I think we we touched on it a while ago, but I'm going to bring it back up. Uh, shout out to Mitch Pierce. This is really his redemption story. He's been able to get out of the limelight, been able to play some good footy. And, yeah, hopefully he can crown his quite illustrious career with a, with a, with a title because, yeah, for all, for everything, I mean, he's he's gone through a lot and – I, uh, you know, he's given a lot to the game in that he's played so much and rightly or wrongly, he's, he's, he's kind of been blamed for a lot of New South Wales's failures. He's still been a top player at NRL level and, um, yeah, can't wait to see. Looking looking at the teams, I mean, I'm also looking at this, um, the Dream Team. Have you had a chance to look at the Dream Team and your thoughts on that one quickly? Not in full, but um, I think that the Man of Steel, um, Bevan French, is the archetypal player who didn't really set it alight in his time in the NRL, but he's just the perfect attacking player um, that absolutely has dominated the English Super League this year. So really happy for Bevan French because um, similar to, I guess, um, early on when Ben Barber uh, tore it up for St. Helens, 
Um, some players are just more suited to the Super League where there's generally less wrestle um, and more attacking plays and um, particularly those of a smaller frame like Sam Tompkins and obviously Bevan French, Ben Barber, etc. Um, so, yeah, really happy for Bevan French, but um, don't know too much about the rest of the team. Have you looked at it? Yeah, I've got it up. So, the game, well, I'm just going to single out the players who will be playing this weekend. You've got Tom Johnston, big winger. He's at, if you've ever had a chance to go on YouTube and watch his highlights, he's a, he is so fast. Um, Bevan French um, at six, and Liam Farrell as the second rower. So, a lot of there's a lot of guys. There's Lee, Lee Leopard's actually had the most amount of top in the top team but didn't come through so very interesting to see that so we can have yeah two players and Catalan's only have one in the team of the year yeah it's um it's an interesting one um because you would think that there's there's periods throughout the year where Mitchell Pierce has done really well but he didn't he hasn't dominated like James Maloney dominated for the Catalan Dragons. Um I think Sam Tompkins probably been on balance more pivotal to that side. And um this upcoming final um is a swan song for Sam Tompkins. So what a fairy tale it would be if he can go out um, you know, taking Catalan to their first ever um Super League title. Um there's actually only four clubs that have ever won an English Super League title. Uh that's Leeds. Wigan, St Helens and Bradford. So I think the game desperately needs a new winner. And with all due respect to Wigan, if they win again, uh, it's been a few years since they won, of course, but it's not really going to rock the boat. Um, but if Catalan won, um, we saw what happened when they won the Challenge Cup. Um, they are invited to the new camp by Barcelona FC and paraded that trophy around at halftime. Um, so it, it's huge for the game if Catalan can win this. But coming back to your initial question, uh, it's not really surprising that um, only one person or one player is in the man of steel from the Catalan Dragons. Um, they're just more of a solid team. And I think Steve McNamara has done a fantastic job building it over the course of years, the number of years. And um, he's doing a really good good job bringing young youth, uh, sorry, young Frenchmen like Arthur Morgue through. Um, and I think the future is very, very bright if you can stay at the helm of Catalan Dragons. But um, Lee Leopards, um, to mention them, what a fantastic story that is. Um, well done to Derek Beaumont for financially backing this squad. He hasn't always been the most popular man uh, in my eyes, particularly his views on Toronto Wolfpack. Um, but you've got to give it to the guy. He has um, learnt from when they first got relegated a couple of years ago. Um, he started buying easily Super League and often NRL-quality players despite the fact that his team was still in the championship. They won the championship and then they used a very similar squad to finish top four in the Super League on the Super League ladder um, and won the Challenge Cup as well. So what that has done, and this is the part that I love most, it's actually meant that clubs like, well, a club like Wakefield um, was no longer allowed to sort of just not finish last because the relegated team usually finishes last and they would survive. So it's a real wake-up call for those cellar dwellers that are spending way under their salary cap um, and fielding subpar teams that these these newly promoted sides are no longer there to stay in the Super League for one year. They're there to stay there long-term. And I think if Toulouse win th this weekend, which is another story altogether, I think Toulouse, with the rumours of big financial backing from a consortium, um, might wake up Castleford or even Huddersfield and Salford as well. So really, really good to see uh, Lee Leopards and what they're doing. And they certainly deserve, uh, you know, all the players uh, that appeared in that side. So some of those players, we'll get to this later on, um, will appear in the upcoming internationals as well. Um, but do you want to discuss, we don't actually have the sides. I don't think they've been named at the time of recording um, of the podcast, um, so we're just going to use last week's teams, assuming that there's very little injuries or suspensions given how big this game is. Um, do you want to take us through uh, Wigan's team, Lou? Yeah. So we've got Jai Field, uh, Abbas Miski, who's actually, yeah. I was having a quick keys of his. Uh, he's, uh, he's done really well this year. Toby King, Jake Wardle, Liam Marshall, Bevan French, Man of Steel, Harry Smith, who... 
I've only seen him a few times, but he's actually, um, I think he could definitely play in RL in the toughest position. Um, if halfback, Tyler Dupree, Brad O'Neill, Kate Ellis, Kai Pierce, Paul, who's off to Newcastle next year. Um, Liam Farrell, captain, Morgan Smith, who's um, at lock. And then off the bench, Sam Powell, Willie Isa, Patrick Mago, Harvey Hill. Um, not in not in the 20 man, 21 man, sorry, not on the run on side, but Cade Cust for NRL fans. So people are probably wondering what Cade Cust isn't doing in the, in the side. And yeah, I'm kind of wondering that too. I think the fact any, that. Any had... names stick out for you apart from Bevan French? Bevan French, the man of steel, obviously. Um... You know, an important player uh, on the finishing line there for tries. Jai Field, probably the perfect player that I was talking about earlier that's just made for Super League. Didn't necessarily tear it up in the NRL. Um, And apart from that, Kai Pierce-Paul, I'm really keen to see. I haven't seen much of him. I've heard a lot about him. I've even heard that tainted tag of the next sort of Sonny Bill type physique and frame and stuff like that. That's a... that's a poison chalice to refer to anyone like that. Talmalalo struggled with it for years, but if he can get anywhere near that, you know, to the level of the praise that he's received, the Newcastle are going to be in very, very good shape next year. Um, that's about it from me in terms of um, honourable mentions for um, Wigan. Um, anything else on Wigan? Yeah, for me, I'd say, obviously, when there's a man of steel, obviously as well, the redemption arc of... Um, Bevan French, because anyone with a decent memory can remember his unfortunate mistake in the Super League Grand Final. Was it last year, the year before? Games, Graham's last game. And this is also his opportunity to right a few wrongs. So we've got a few guys, ex-NRL players, Bevan French, Mitch Pearce, even Sam Tompkins to a degree, um, who want to go out and... I guess change, change their their story. Yeah, I think so. Um, hopefully not, because I'm blatantly going for the Catalans in this one. I think it'll be massive for the game <laughs> as an expansionist. Um, so I'll take this opportunity to go through the the Catalans team that was fielded last week. Um, at fullback was Sam Tompkins. On the wings was Tom Davies and Tom Johnston. Uh, in the centres, Adam Kieran. Um, who's ironically going to Wigan next year, and Matt Ikevalu, Tyrone May and Mitchell Pierce in the halves, uh, Mike McKeekin and Sia Takiaho uh, in the front row, Michael McClorum uh, at hooker in the back row, Matt Whiteley and Paul Sigur, uh, and locking the scrum is Benjamin Garcia and captain. Uh, on the bench we have Arthur Morg, Julian Bosquet, Romain Navarrete and Manu Ma'u. Uh, any standout names in that list? Yeah, firstly, uh, I told you a few weeks ago off air, um, I met Michael McClorum's best mate, apparently. Um, so I need to contact him as a potential future filling person. <laughs> uh, watch this space. Um, he also played for the Wigan youth team back in the day. So he's got some stories, apparently, that um, are fit for the podcast. Um, I mean, obviously, the big name, and I've mentioned him a few times mitch pierce i can't wait to yeah i I just respect mitch from from you know when i first saw him in the gym uh, in when we were in year 10 and he was coming with his dad and some other jack dudes and he he just he's just been built for for rugby league and great to see him fulfill his potential for the most part um obviously could have gone at even greater heights but you know that's that's not um to, to downplay his career. But, um, yeah, I think as well, Tom Johnston making the team of the year. I think it's called the dream team. So he's probably one to watch. And I guess Sam Tompkins, yeah. What he did in that semifinal match winner, he's also, it's also his last game. They've got a really good back line, to be fair. Tyron May probably would be playing the NRL if he didn't have a few off-field issues as well. So... And yet Takayahu is gonna he's going back to the dogs on big money. So they've got they've got some big names. I feel like I feel like when we've talked about the Catalans for years, we've always wanted sort of French guys coming through. Yeah. I know Arthur morgue has been around for a while. He was actually um more of a 
used player in a lot of anything was used last week. He was more of a up and comer a few years ago and hasn't really, I guess, next year's his year, I guess, now that Tompkins leaving. But hopefully next few years, I know um a few years ago they had like Alex Chan's son coming through. Is that is that Tiaki Chan? Is he is he also Alex Chan's other kid? Yeah, I'm not sure. I know that um Joe Chan has been picked for the New Zealand A side. Um which I was a little bit disappointed. I'm good for Joe Chan, of course, and good for New Zealand, but I was kind of hoping it would turn out for France. But um, anyway, I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe he is. It's quite a rare surname in the Catalan system. <laughs> yeah, oh, he was born in Australia, um, Chucky Chan, so I'm not too sure if he'll be playing for um, France. Either. Oh, he's actually he's actually represented France. Good for him. There you go. There's a, there's a kid coming through. Um that's French, but he's not going to be playing in, the, in as far as we're aware. Yeah, well, I think that um, we agree when we're talking with respect. Is uh, you know French-born, raised, French accent, like genuine products of the French junior development system, like Arthur Morgan, Julian Bosquet, and you know those those kind of players. So, and I can't see why why it shouldn't happen because I'm really like I'm really hoping that Toulouse win this weekend. Um, but either way, it's either London or Toulouse that are going to be in the Super League next year, which is a great result for any expansionist listening, um, but particularly Toulouse because they seem more sustainable. Um, and I know there was rumours that they're heading towards bankruptcy after they got relegated from Super League, but there's also very, very strong whispers right now that um, a consortium um, of pretty rich benefactors is prepared to back them if they do make Super League this weekend. Um, so two French sides, um, if you have that consistently enough, I think that you'll eventually get to the whole goal of why these French teams are in the English Super League, which is to generate a meaningful French television deal. But it's not going to happen with just one team in my mind. Um, and then on the back of that, we should hopefully see two teams fielding genuine young Frenchmen um, in their squads, particularly given the quotas that um, IMG have put on any overseas players, including Catalan uh, and Toulouse. Um, but I'm just looking at, I'm not a betting man. I don't have a betting account, but um, sometimes I just like to check the odds because if ever there's a sort of person to look into injuries and factors of the like, etc., cetera, um, it's the person whose job it is to determine the odds. And in Australia, the head to head for Wigan is paying $1.50 for the win and Catalans are paying $2.50 for the win. Um, so that's quite interesting in itself. Um, do you think the Catalans are good value? Who have you got to win this one? Oh, it's hard to say because I haven't really watched it recently. Um, I'm going to go with Wigan, to be honest. I mean, I, I would love to see the Dragons, especially what it, what it could mean for the game. I just I would love to see it. Um, and I feel like as well with the Dragons, if they don't win this year, they lose Pierce, they lose I think Ty, I don't know where Tyron May's going, but I know he's leaving. Um Sam Tompkins um also retiring. They're losing their spine. And uh, I'm not sure if Mickey McClorum's if he's resigned. So yeah, it's it's for my my heart, Dragons, Catalans need this, but probably some money's on Wigan if I'm being totally honest but last time they played Catalan smashed them so yeah who have you got yeah I think it is a great point they are losing some very very key players Sam Tompkins has been their backbone for um you know five years now since he's sort of debuted for them um James Maloney was probably more important than Sam Tompkins was but he's obviously long gone now but I think he plays for Lesingdon in Elite One um they have signed Tarek Sims um, who will add, you know, Tarek Sims is a good player. He's coming from the Melbourne Storm. Um, however, you know, they need to address the issue of their spine if they're losing, you know, basically all of the spine next year. Um, I've got Wigan in my head, Catalan in my heart. So obviously we'll go with my head there and we'll go with Wigan. <laughs> but, geez, I hope Catalan um, can, you know, get one up on Wigan and become only the fifth club ever to win an English Super League Grand Final. All right, topic number two. Let's talk international football. So we have a K 
a couple of games this weekend. The Pacific Championship has been launched. Uh, this is the first year that we're going to see this championship. It's going to be held every year, um, and it's going to be uh, well-funded, uh, well-supported. There's TV deals in place. Uh, the fact that it was only able to be announced maybe six weeks ago or something like that um, has had a few people coming out of the woodwork and saying it's a Mickey Mouse tournament, etc. However, um, I think that this will grow bigger and bigger every year. Um, the concept is there, it, there are six teams in total, um, Pacific Championship in the Pacific Cup, you've got Australia, New Zealand and Samoa. Um, and in the Pacific Bowl, you've got Papua New Guinea, Fiji and the Cook Islands. Uh, the Pacific Bowl Cup and maybe the whole tournament actually is actually funded by the Australian government to the tune of $7 million. Uh, so well done to the Australian government for supporting what they see as soft diplomacy and what I see as the game of rugby league. Uh, and the way it works to incentivise um, the Pacific Bowl teams, so Papua New Guinea, Cook Islands and Fiji, um, they have proper World Cup ranking points on the line and every Every year, the Pacific Cup teams, so the higher of the two tri-nations, will be decided on world ranking points. Um, so if Papua New Guinea keep beating, you know, Cook Islands and Fiji, they'll eventually play in that Pacific Cup against Australia and New Zealand, whoever it might be. Um, and this all feeds into a wider ecosystem or schedule um, that takes us all the way up to 2030. Um, see, at the same time as all this is happening, or a little bit later, Tonga are actually touring England. Um, they're playing three games in the north of England. Um, and as far as I know, and this hasn't been announced yet, um, Toa Samoa will tour England next year. Um, and then Tonga will join, assumably, the Pacific Cup against Australia and New Zealand. Um, and then in 2025, we have the first Ashes tour in what feels like a lifetime as England will tour Australia and play a three-game series. And I assume Tonga, Samoa and New Zealand play in the Pacific Cup. However, you know, if Papua New Guinea probably the favourite to win the Pacific Bowl. They could go ahead of one of those teams in terms of the world rankings. And then 2026, we have the Rugby League World Cup to be held somewhere in the Southern Hemisphere. In 2027, New Zealand tour England. So it's good to see England not being neglected here. The elephant in the room is that France aren't providing the quality opposition to keep England competitive and they need to play quality opposition every year. And this schedule ensures that they play Tonga, Samoa, New Zealand, Australia, and a World Cup all in the space of five years. So well done to the IRL and also the um, Independent Commission here in Australia. Uh, from all accounts, the uh, meeting in Singapore went very, very well. But moving back to this game, now that we've provided the context of, of why this tournament's happening, uh, we've got Australia versus Samoa. Bit late for me, 8 10 p.m. I don't like games that late. Um, in Townsville this Saturday night. Uh, I assume you've got Australia here, but do you give Samoa a chance? Oh man, not really. Uh, <clears throat> I just, when we look at the squads, I guess the, we may as well address it. This is the problem, I think, with Pacific Nations where they don't really have enough halves. And then that's, that's that was a great thing with. The World Cup last year is that Jerome Luai playing out of his skin and Milford playing pretty well too, to be fair on him. They actually have some halves that could play. Um, this time around, they've got Stephen Crichton, who doesn't really, I've never seen him play six in, in the years that he's played NRL. Dejan Arce, I mean, I think the time we mentioned him on this pod, he was, was he addicted to kicking bombs? And I think Gordon Cham Kong Tong who's got one of the best names of all time, um, has only played one NRL game. So <laughs> in terms of their spine and also, obviously, Sua, Sua Falongo, who's, to me, could be rookie of the year next year if he gets a run, um, they've got literally one, well, I'd say zero full-time in that position for NRL level, which is probably where they're going to get caught out when you've got Munster, Cherry Evans, and Tedesco. And, well, Ben Hunt doesn't play hooker, but he can obviously play hooker at a high level. Like, that that just screams the massive flogging. But I'd love to see Samoa at least keep it competitive. How about yourself? Yeah, this Australia, I know Australia's usually go, Australia usually goes into every game as favourite. Um, 
But this Australian side in particular is scary. It is phenomenal, the talent that this wider squad has. Um, and just, just you know, the depth of the talent as well. Um, it's hard to see any any of the two other teams in this tournament coming close to Australia. Obviously, New Zealand can pull an upset on their day, but they don't have the squad that they had in the World Cup, uh, where in my mind they should have won that World Cup. Um, but Australia just looked phenomenal. The fact that um, Cam Munster, Daily Cherry Evans after Nathan Cleary dropped out, what, what a luxury that is. James Desco at fullback. Selwyn Cobbo as X-Factor on the wing. Payne Hass and Tina Fasasumwala-Awe in the props. That's scary. Ben Hunt at hooker. Cam Murray, Liam Martin, Isaiah Yo, Harry Grant off the bench with Patrick Carrigan, Lindsay Collins and Ruben Cotter. Oh, it's just, yeah, I'm with you on this one, unfortunately, where it's sort of we just hope that Samoa can remain competitive and not be beaten by, quite frankly, 50 points. Um I can't. I know Samoa are paying ten dollars to win this tournament, whereas Australia is paying a dollar thirty, and New Zealand's two dollars twenty or something like that. But um, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I just cannot see any other result besides a, a pretty heavy win to Australia. Um, the other game, though, uh, we've got uh, the PNG Kumuls versus the Cook Islands A two A two, and that's at four p.m. Uh, on Sunday afternoon. That's live from uh, Papua New Guinea, Port Moresby. Uh, so we've got a few NRL stars in the Papua New Guinean team here. We've got Alex Johnston, Nene McDonald, although he's Super League these days, Lachlan Lamb, Super League, but Jeezy ripped it up for um, for Lee Leopards. Um, who else have we got? Surprisingly, Jack DeBellin uh, at Lock. Uh, and I think Edwin Mpape, um, although I can't see him in this squad at the moment or in this team, so exactly, but he's also he plays for the Cowboys. He's he broke through. Ah, uh, okay. On the on the um reserve, so not named to play. Justin Olam. Does that surprise you? I saw that. I was wondering what on earth he must be injured, but they've just kind of picked him to get the interest up because I don't understand and Reese Martin to be fair Reese Martin's a good player kicks goals um weird because I don't know why they couldn't add something yeah me either um on the Cook Island side of things uh it's a substantially weaker side than the Papua New Guinea in my opinion to to be honest with you uh, we've got the Masters brothers, SA Masters and, and Stephen Masters. The veteran Brad Takirangi uh, captains the side at number six. Um, apart from that, Zane Tedavano, uh, Makahisi Makatoa, uh, Pride Peterson Rabati. So there's a few names in there, but it's it's hard to see them, you know, going toe to toe with Papua New Guinea, in my personal opinion. But, uh, Cook Islands are one of those sides where if they did go through a similar player revolution like Tonga did in 2017, people would be shocked at the number of stars that we um, that could play for them. Off the top of my head, you've got Chance Nicol Klukstad, Joey Manu, Valentine Holmes, um, Nia Cora from the Warriors. So th there's a number of players there that are actually Cook Islands eligible um, and if they manage to get those players, we've got a whole different storyline here. But um, those players have chosen to play for Australia and New Zealand respectively, and obviously we respect that decision. Um, but who have you got for this one? Yeah, just on that, because I do remember a while ago, I think Dylan Napa as well. <laughs> there's, mm. there's a few boys that could, but, um, yeah, as well, I guess it's one of those situations where you really have to want to play for them. Um, yeah, it's I, so. Just on, I think the name that I've kind of because I know because I know the Raiders, for example, they they often try and pick guys from New South Wales Cup. So KL Iro, son of Tony Iro, um, for any anyone that remembers him, he was a good player. Um, he's actually the New South Wales Cup Player of the Year, or at least was from the previous year. So he might. It's an NRL edition, an audition of some some. Uh, who is he playing for at the moment? Sharks. So I think he might be Nairo's son and Tony's nephew. I could be wrong, though. 
Oh, Kevin Iroh. Yeah, sorry. Jeez. So he's also so there's there you go before preview of our brother's preview. We've got RO connections. Yeah, so there is some there is some sort of talent coming through at Cook Islands and, and as you say, Chance Nickel, Clickstard, uh Joey Manu, pretty much they would give me pretty much be the favorites if those two played, but and I think um yeah, well, obviously they're Valentine Holmes. So they do have some talent that's just not going to play for Cook Islands. And also, I don't know how much, um, honestly, do you know how, if they have much, if any, funding to to get those guys to play? They're all funded. I think what the result of the collective bargaining agreement, despite this uh, delaying this tournament being named for, you know, about a year, um, I believe that everyone's paid $5,000 per game across the board. I think even including Australia for every international appearance. Um, so that comes from the yeah the collective bargaining agreement. I could be wrong because it's a little opaque trying to understand it, but um, if I had to sort of make a comment on it, which I do, I'd say I, I'm pretty confident they're all now paid $5,000 per test. I mean, yeah, that's the thing because trying to convince some of those big names to, to want to play, um, not, not the easiest. I'm just having a look at some previous results for the Cook Islands. They last played in 2019. They beat United States in Jacksonville, which is interesting. Um, that would have been a World yeah, Cup. Yeah, that's the other part. Uh, yeah, but they, yeah, it was. So I guess what I'm trying to say is in order for these countries to build up from 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 where they're currently at they need to play more often which is great that they've got a competition like this the second thing is trying to like say for example i can see just switching back to the kangaroos tour samoa game someone like murray tuolangi um who's was in the world cup squad last year for australia i feel like yeah he, in order he for can country, he deliberately um, changed allegiances and he it came out during the week. He said that Mel Meninga hasn't spoken to me since. I guess he was probably likely to to stay in the squad because I mean, Dylan Edwards is not a winger, but he does deserve a, a run. And I think for me, in order for like, yeah, it's great to see something Brian Tor or Lua, Lua if he was available, Stephen Crichton. These guys are really sticking. They're not going, okay, I'm going to play for some more if I don't get picked. They're just literally, no, nah, we're not going to, we're not going to play for Australia. We're going to play for our descent, which is fine. It's part of the rules. And yeah, I think that that's the difference right now in some, for Samoa and Tonga, they've got that mentality with Cook Islands. I feel like, and I don't want to speak on behalf of them because who knows, but it feels like they would get picked. But if they obviously got picked for, you know, a tier one team, they would run. Um, do, do you get where I'm coming from with that? I feel that's where the, the issue lies. If we get more guys who want to play for their descent permanently, um, this competition could be really good stuff. Yeah, I do, but I just don't think it's sustainable. With respect to the Cook Islands, they have maybe 25,000 people living in the Cook Islands. And the rate of migration to Australia and New Zealand, while strong, it's not really sustainable to rely on a diaspora. Whereas if you look at Samoa, for example, they have 300,000 people. What's that, um, 15 times, or, or sorry, 12 times the population of the Cook Islands. Um, and the migration rates are pretty strong. It's still risky to rely on a diaspora to field a competitive team. I mean, you want to be more like Fiji and Papua New Guinea and actually have homegrown players, or France for that matter, um, but I tell you what, Samoa, you know, they uh, they look strong and they look like they'll be strong for a decade or two to come. Uh, but the Cook Islands are a team that it, it's a strange one because this tournament, they come up against Papua New Guinea uh, and Fiji. And because Papua New Guinea and Fiji finished in the quarterfinals of the 2021 or 2022 Rugby League World Cup, they automatically qualify for the 2026 World Cup. And there's only 10 teams in that, and, and eight of them have already qualified because they finished in the quarterfinal of the last World Cup. Cork Islands um, need to play in what they're now calling the World Championships, 
Um, so they are the only team from the Asia Pacific that are full members of the IRL uh, that are not qualified for the 2026 World Cup just yet. So they need to take on the winner of uh, MEA, which is uh, Middle East and Africa, and that can't be Lebanon um, because, you know, they're already qualified. So it's going to be a Nigeria or a South Africa. Um, so they'll represent MEA in that tournament. Europe is probably going to be represented by France, but it could be Wales, it could be Serbia, it could be Ireland, Scotland, etc. So Europe's definitely going to have the most competition to, to play at that tournament. And in terms of the Americas, they might have to come up against um, maybe Brazil, USA or Jamaica, maybe Canada. Um, so there's one team from the four rugby league regions around the world and Cook Islands are automatically the entrant for the Asia Pacific region because the only they're the only full IRL members that aren't currently qualified for the 2026 World Cup. So the reason I mention this is because the Cookies almost need to have a mindset where they need to start blooding young players that are up and coming and eligible for the Cook Islands if they're prepared to commit up until the next World Cup, which is 2026. Um, whereas Fiji and Papua New Guinea, they can just go all out for this tournament because they've already qualified for 2026. So they both should have different priorities. And it's interesting to see how youthful the Cook Islands side is because you're going to be able to get your New South Wales Cup, Queensland Cup, even your under-21 Jersey flag players that are eligible, but you're not going to get them if they haven't debuted for you once they debuted in the NRL, if that makes sense. Yeah, interesting points, yeah. All right, let's move on to everyone's favourite topic. Rugby League Mastermind. You ready, Lou? Let's do it. All right, clue number one. I was born on the 14th of March, 1998. 1998, so I'm 25. No, next. I've only ever played NRL for one club. Next. My middle name is Derek. <laughs> Next. I'm known for the aggression I bring to my game. Aggression. Now next. I played my junior football in the catchment area of my NRL team. A rare occurrence for this team. Ooh. So you've got... Now next. Despite being only 92 kilos, I played all of my NRL career in the forwards, primarily at lock. Ah, I have a guess. Victor Radley. Spot on. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, you get right. four <laughs> points. You got that on clue number six. Uh, for anyone listening, the remaining clues were, despite being born in Australia, I play my international football for England. I debuted for the Roosters in 2017. I share my first name with that of a famous lawnmower brand. I am Victor well done. Four points. So six points for Lou in the Rugby League Mastermind. All right, topic number four. Let's talk famous Rugby League brothers. Who have you got? Yeah, so I brought this up to you yesterday because obviously Jet Cleary um, potentially gone to the Warriors. I didn't know that. Um, but he might start for the Penrith Panthers as well. And my top three, and I guess since Nathan Cleary's climbed the summit of NRL footy, who 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 could they potentially surpass? Obviously, in no particular order, I've got top three. My first, I think they're the Royal Football Family, sorry, Rugby League Royalty, the, the Johns Brothers, I guess, what they achieved for Newcastle. You know, could, could the Cleary's match that um not not in terms of i think on field success they could match it but more what they did for the community and i guess the john's boys are from penrith as opposed to uh, sorry john's boys are from newcastle as opposed to don't know where cleary's from he's definitely not from penrith um 
but yeah, so there's them. Um, the second, the Walters brothers, I think they've, well, they established yeah. they had one of the greatest hookers of all time, Steve Walters, Kevin Walters, one of the great Brisbane Broncos, halves, and has obviously turned his co coaching career around and what's got carried. Um, so yeah, they're, they're, they're in there. And lastly, uh, the Chris Queen twins, uh, for what they achieved. Uh, that's a joke. Um, yeah, the High Marsh brothers, I think. <laughs> Nathan obviously was a great, but <laughs> Ian High Marsh, well, he played for the Raiders for a bit and he actually was a really good player. So I'm going to chuck them in. Who, who have you got? I've actually got the Bromwich brothers for the amount of premierships that they've got between them, albeit, you know, we know that they played for a superstar Melbourne Storm club, but still they were a pivotal part of that forward pack for many years. Um, so the Bromwich brothers. Pick, actually. Yeah. Uh, the Mortimers. You can't not mention the Mortimers, of course. Um, who else? Uh, the Burgess brothers. You have to mention the Burgess brothers. They won South Sunday Premiership in what, like a hundred years, it seems. Yes, I'm sure. And, yeah, sorry. Scratch, scratch my hind marsh pick. That's um, the Burge brothers. Can't believe I completely forgot about them because, yeah, what they've done. They're, they're another. They're another family that have done amazing things to the game. Like, yeah, they they gave England regular credibility. Really, you know, I always had a soft spot. Soft spot for um. Kevin and Michael Gordon. Remember them for the Gold Coast? They can't Coast? be brothers, man. They, they can't be brothers. Uh, one okay. of them was Asian. The other one was... Uh, oh, sorry, not Michael Gordon. Kevin Gordon and... Who is Kevin Gordon's brother? Ah. Oh, I'm going to look this up now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. No, yeah, because I, I, I spoke to him before. He, he never played... He never played... He never played first grade. But I have Dennis spoken Gordon. to him because... um. Yeah, okay. Now now yeah. Um yeah, Kevin Gordon yeah, was a flyer. Yeah, good pick up. Who else have we got here? Let me check. <laughs> <laughs> um Henry Paul, Robbie Paul. Did we say them? Did you say them? I had them I had them in my picks, but I guess for a potential audience, that might be a, a random pick they wouldn't Maybe they might know him, but I yeah, shout out Henry Paul played England rugby union as well, such as that was his talent level. He was and in the halves or, or he played 12, but that just showed you how talented he was. Um and he's always rumored to play in the NRL, just never came over. So I think mean, because the power was so much stronger. But yeah, he's they, they were there. Um sorry to interrupt. Uh Adam McDougal, Ben McDougal, and Luke McDougal. That's a good pick. The Mad Dog. Um, his brothers weren't as good as him, were they? Kind of. Ah. There was obviously like a one, not one gun and two pretty decent NRL players. But I guess in terms of what they achieved I've together, one. I think Adam Adam kind of dragged that along. Yeah, I agree. Uh, another one. This going back a while. A while. Western Suburbs Magpies superstars, uh, Kevin and Ken McInnes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Minicello. Yeah. I think, nah, the, the, the big thing about what I remember with them is um, they, Kevin McGinnis could play footy, but then he also had a lot of. Do you remember when he, him and um, uh, Craig Field, the, the Tigers were on like, Started the season off undefeated and then they um got busted. So with I think it's drugs <laughs> yeah, issues. So shows yeah, great, oh, here's great, great talents. Yeah, I got one here. Underrated the Payer brothers, Lapini Payer, Mickey Payer, Eddie Payer, Lalia Payer. Jeez, actually That's Eddie was. Eddie Eddie was the one that should have gone on to big and better things too. I'll tell you what, um, when I was looking through it, there's... Pull it to her. Pull it yeah, to brothers. Frank. Wait, did 
Oh, I, was, I thought so. Jordan Rapana, his sister Tasman Gray is Australian women's international and NRLW player for the Warriors. There you go. I didn't know that. Oh, and as a Warriors fan, Sam Rapira, Steve Rapira, of course. Yeah, there's there's some um, there's some names in there, isn't there? I feel like there's um, what's Brandon Smith as well? His brother, um, he had an. If, if you look up his his background, I think even Brandon Smith talked about it. His the reason why Brandon Smith came to Australia is because his brother's already over here, oh, over in Australia, and then um, his brother was also a bit of a, you know, had a, had a few had a few interesting decisions in his life, I think. Um, but yeah, if, if we're if we're going to dig deep in the in the catalogue, yeah, yeah, I think we've gone a bit deep there. But, uh, the Walker brothers, they're they're. Pretty honourable mention. Ben Walker, Shane Walker, Chris Walker. Yeah, and Andrew Walker, right? The um, the last <laughs> <bit. can't> um, <laughs> uh, no, no, they they were like. Who was your favourite Walker brother? Uh Chris Walker. Yeah, yeah. This Chris is Walker was amazing. The moustache on Shane was phenomenal, but the speed of Chris. Got to go with Chris. If 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 Chris Walker just didn't have all those off field dramas, what like he would have? He was so quick and yeah, he had that many chances, which just showed you the type of skill he had. But um, yeah, and but Ben Walker could play too. Ben Walker was a half, uh, played many games for the Seagulls, from what I remember. Mm, so so Chris Walker. Absolute legend of Brisbane, South Sydney, Melbourne, Gold Coast, Catalans, and Parramatta. <laughs> so he got around. Almost Blake Green-esque territory yeah. there. All right. This, <laughs> yeah. So to put a bow on right. who's um, who who do you who so you, you pick the Burgess, Bromwich, and uh Mortimer Brothers from the eighties. Obviously, oh, yeah, I'm too enough. young. Um you know, to see them, watch them play or anything, but just watching footage and hearing about their feats, I think that'd be hard not to mention them. Yeah. Who are you? Probably, probably, yeah, probably a shout out to the Monaghan brothers, probably the best redhead brothers to play rugby league. Um, what a niche thing, best redhead brothers. Yes, to play for the Raiders. <laughs> All right, well, that seems like a great point to leave it on. We hope you've enjoyed another episode of Rugby League Therapy, and as always, we'll see you on the other side.